listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 43 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only help you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our, our guest today studied film at Seton Hall. He then wrote and directed three independent films before creating an award-winning web series called Haywire, in which, as it so happens, I hit a small part, playing Dan, a package delivery man who, let's just say, gets affected. He's currently the video producer for a convention company, Comic-Con Revolution, and my friend, Scott Klein. Welcome to Cinemental. Guys, honored to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you uh, for being here. Uh, so uh, I've known Scott about as long as I've known Hassan. Uh, we all used to work at Wizard together. Uh, Scott and Hassan go back further than that. And um, I was just, uh, you know, I was trying to think today, Scott, how many, how many episodes of Haywire am I in? Is it four? It's got to be at least four. Because I know I had, I was in the, in, I was in the launch episode. I was in the first episode. I was, I had footage in the forest that we shot with the, the fall off the cliff. Mm -hmm. Then there was the gazebo mm -hmm. with Gabe. And then there was the swimming pool with Gabe. Right. What about the bridge scene? That was the same episode as one of the others, wasn't it? The one we shot near your home on the bridge. Oh, the bridge. I forgot about the bridge. Um, I don't, I'm not, I can't remember if that was in the same episode. So it's either four or five episodes I'm in. That might've been in the same episode as the swimming pool, which is, which is epic. But, uh, but yeah, so if, if anyone wants to go and, and look up uh, the web series Haywire uh, and uh, it's how many total episodes? Uh, it's, it's three, I think we got up to three seasons. It's like 20, something like that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, you can find it on YouTube if you search. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess we'll suffer from consumption. What, uh, what do you got, Lathan? Uh, I don't have much. I, uh, like everyone else or most of the world, I've caught up on the Mandalorians first two episodes. I was real pleased with the premiere and, um, Thought the second episode is kind of tracking back to what the first season was like, which most people will enjoy, but I think it's relying on comic relief from the little guy. So it's kind of a little bit bothersome to me, but I'm, I'm going to watch it. So I'll stick with it. Um, and uh, I watched two movies with my daughter. We watched every month. Netflix seems to get one really good, unique movie or, uh, not necessarily unique. Sometimes it's a popular one. Just they pick something new to add to their canon that that I see, and I'm like, oh, we got to watch that. So this month it was uh, The Impossible. Have you seen The Impossible with Naomi Watts? The tsunami. I have movie? not. I know. I know. I know the movie, but I have not seen it. 
Yeah, it's it's just brilliant. And it's the tsunami scenes, you're just like, you got your hand on your head, like, how did they do this? Because some of it looks like practical sets and sure. not special effects. And you're like, wow, this this took a lot of work. And it's just a really simple, well-made uh, awesome movie with two great performances. And I'd forgotten that Tom Holland was in it as the oh. little kid. And he's... That's funny. It's from seven years ago, eight years ago. So that was kind of cool to see him uh, in something other than Spider-Man. And then we watched <laughs> um, uh, Empire of the Sun, which ah. has now confirmed for me uh, that's Spielberg's underrated masterpiece. It's It's a perfect movie. It's just... It's so well crafted and obviously it's based on a book, but it's just, it's fantastic and it's never boring and it holds up today. And halfway through the film, my daughter is like, wait a minute, that's Christian Bale. I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. that's Batman. <laughs> and she thought that was cool. And uh, I, think, I, I think the introduction of uh, John Malkovich in that film yes. is one of the most, wonderfully dramatic introductions of a character I've seen in, Absolutely. in a long time. Perfectly fantastic. Perfect. Yep. It's, and there's, it's a perfectly cast movie and it's, you know, it's just, if you've not, I mean, mo- people have seen most Spielberg films besides those of us that have seen them all and followed him all the time. That's probably one of the ones you've missed. If you haven't seen them all. Yeah. It's, it's very underrated. Yeah. And I've, it's, ne- I've never seen it. A lot of, most wow. people don't even talk about wow. it. But it's, and it's another dark film. It's not as dark as Schindler's List. No, but it's a but it's a, Schindler's List. Yeah, sure. it's a yeah, it's a, it's a dark. It's one of his like the his dark trilogy. It's like um, <laughs> yes. no, really. Um, oh, uh, Schindler's uh, List, Empire, Empire of the Sun, and Temple of Doom. No, no uh, Empire of the Sun, Schindler's List, and uh, Munich. Yeah, Munich, which is, which, sure. which is his darkest film. Yeah, Munich much. is definitely darker even than Schindler's List. So. Yeah, um, but it's it's fantastic and. And and William's score for it, his uh, uh, adapted uh, uh, Hassan maybe can help me out with it. The the British uh, theme, uh, the theme he has for it is uh, for the English army or whatever. It's just it's well, it's I don't I do not recall. I wish I could help you, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's a variation on another theme, though. You're saying, yeah, or it might be his original theme. I just don't want to attribute it to him only if it was based on someone else, but. There's two themes in that movie that are among his best of all time, and it's all right. it, it's a it's a must see. It's a must yeah. see. So that's but don't I, uh, be be having a good day when you watch it. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> don't don't be don't be teetering on the brink well, when you watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true, but it's <laughs> it's PG, so it is. It's not. It's not because of the the graphic. Yeah, so no, it's, it's just it is it is a down movie. It is. I mean, it it has it has a sort of without giving any spoilers away. It has a a, a decently upbeat sort yeah. of ending. Yes. But holy shit, you know, yeah, get, to, <laughs> get there. You're going through some uh, caverns yeah. and, uh, and dungeons. That's for sure. So. <laughs> so that's what I've seen this week. Uh, Hassan. Yeah. Uh... Let me see here. <laughs> I watched Solo again. I watched Spotlight again. I did I watch Moneyball Solo again. again. <laughs> I did. So f you, because I did. Awesome. Why don't you want to eat me? Um, yeah. <laughs> I watched The Mandalorian on Friday. Uh, I found. <laughs> I found out Red Tails was on YouTube, free. So, I sat through it again. 
weird. Okay. It was weird. Um, it wasn't as it wasn't as bad this time around, but I might have been a little, you know, punchy. So I might have just been able to get through it because it wasn't that bad. Um, I watched the documentary Wolfman's Got Nards about uh about Monster oh, Squad. Uh, Monster Squad, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, never seen that, was, that movie. Me neither. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, I heard it's fun. Like, Watch it's the documentary. You've seen, you've seen Monster Squad. You've seen oh, all really? the artists. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'll watch it, Doc, first. It's an experience. It. Yeah. It's an experience. It's, but, I mean, if you, if you didn't see it when you were a kid, it's not going to do anything for you. You know? It's, all of it is the nostalgia aspect of it. <laughs> it's like watching know? Bugsy now. <laughs> yeah, Bugsy Malone. Yeah. Bugsy. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I went, I got through, well, I don't, I'm not going to say it this way. Um, it's kind of a joke, but, um, <laughs> I, I got through, uh, Master and Commander again. I had to hanker in to watch uh, Master and Commander. It is a great movie. What do you mean, got through? Yeah. That's... It's a long, it's a slog. It can be sloggish, you know, and especially if you watch like the special edition, which is basically the only thing I ever, watch i i can only watch special editions of things if i find out there's a special edition hey look man eat me steve i can i, only, I can only watch director's cuts and special okay editions. i sound like i sound like uh, uh i sound like kermit the frog is that was is, is that what you're saying no i was That's thinking more master i was thinking more masterpiece theater but I found it. I found it a trifle you know, extensive. I find but, uh, the sitting through of I, Master and Commander to be somewhat problematic at this point. I thought the third act was exemplary. I, I really <laughs> did. Um, the lesser of two weevils is by far <laughs> the best come on. joke. That is a great joke. It is a great um, joke. I love that scene. I I watch Passengers again. That, uh, I think that's a good movie. Personally, Passengers with a with Chris Pratt, Jennifer and Lawrence, J-Lo? and Chris, yeah, J Law. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, J- really? J Law. Not um, Passengers, the film from the eighties with Bono. No. Okay. Or Passenger Fifty Seven. Uh, that's the soundtrack. That's when you two played with Brian Eno and released one album called The Passengers Original Soundtrack. So number one, there's four or five good songs on it. Take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forced to take your word for it. The Beach Theme uh, on there's good. Miss Sarajevo is good too. I I started watching his dark materials again from last year because the new season's about to start Monday. Hold on a second. Let me ask you a question about that because I saw a still from that. I can't get through my list. I didn't interrupt you while you were doing your list. You could have. It was an extensive list. I just just have a question. Uh, Is the girl from Logan on that show? Yes. That is Okay. Okay. All right. With with an English accent. Elena something or other. I don't think she's English. But she's oh, she's wow. she speaks with a with a wonderful English accent. Good for her. Um, oh boy. Okay. Yesterday I watched uh, Universal Soldier Regeneration because Which that was is my, two or three. Uh, it's like five. Oh, there's there's three Universal Soldier movies in the middle. There's the first one with uh, Van Damme, right? And there's three directed to video movies, right? That were continuations of it. Then they the did second one is the one with Jason Scott Lee, right? Or is that the I, third I, one? I, I don't. I okay. never even right, saw right. those. I didn't even bother so, with those. Universal um, Soldier Generation. Go ahead. Regeneration is the f- fourth one where they brought back Van Damme and oh. Dolph, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. Both of them, nice. Yeah. And then there's a fifth one that I haven't seen that they bring back also uh, Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren again. Beautiful. So, 
Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. But I saw the. I saw that one. It was our movie night on Tuesday. Ah, me, okay. Me and, uh, me and me and Alex and Mike watched it. Um, <laughs> then I watched Solo. Yes, I did. I watched Alienation: Dark Victory, which was one of the TV movies that they did. Okay. My movie watching is 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 not impressive. Um, I watched. Uh, I started watching season three of uh, Killing Eve, awesome. and. Uh, I haven't seen any of those. Are those? Is that good? Everyone says it's good. I think they're. I think they're fantastic. Okay. Um, and uh, this afternoon, I sat through for the first time in thirty years, uh, Cannonball Run. Oh wow! Oh, yes, and it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. It's, <laughs> listen, it's fantastic because of the nostalgia. But now one joke in that movie would make it today. And it, there, it, it also had the armed and dangerous effect where some of the jokes weren't even really funny. But when I watched it in 1982, right. everything was funny because it was, all, was funny. You know, it was all yeah. boobs and dumb jo- adult jokes. And, and Dom Delaries, and, uh, yeah. Dom Delaries running around as Captain Chaos. Oh, you know? God. How do you know? Now, I was surprised to, to discover that Speed Zone is the third cannonball run movie it's oh, considered God. cannonball run three what? so there were actually three cannonball run movies there's cannonball run there's cannonball run two and then there's a movie called speed zone it came out in 1989 with none of the with no, none of the cast members from the first two but it's considered the third cannonball run movie wait what was the second one called can latham <laughs> i don't even believe that you almost made me i hate you i hate you <laughs> Scott, did you uh, did you watch anything of uh, of value this week? I have been watching Community. Oh, uh, great show! I had never seen it, and I I always watch stuff on the treadmill in the morning. And uh, after watching things like World War II in 3D and going to work wanting to shoot myself, <laughs> I decided I was going to watch a little lighter fare. So I started watching Community and. Uh, Community is great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I rewatched recently for no reason at all. I rewatched uh, Crossroads. Oh, okay. Ralph I, oh, the, oh, I don't. Ralph, I don't. Ralph Macchio. Yeah, yeah I don't. Ralph Macchio kicked this week. And Steve Vai. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Steve Vai playing the devil. Which uh, really? No, he's playing the devil's pawn. Yeah. Oh, playing, right. playing someone who sold his soul to the devil. I right. Oh, I thought he was the uh, devil. Anyway, while okay. simultaneously making everybody that picked up a guitar want to just jump off a building. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I've never seen when you that. when you when you realize that he's playing both the the good part and the bad part. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. that, it's it is a little. Yeah, and the like, only oh, time fuck off, dude. The only time he's not believable in the film is when he's making mistakes. Yeah, like stuff, and he doesn't even have the mis- he doesn't even look like a guy who's making mistakes. He's like, oh, mm. yeah. Um, <laughs> that worth watching that film? Yeah, I, I I'm a big fan of it. I think I think it's um, if, if you know anything about the what what is the blues player Hassan that it's about the legend of um uh, the, Robert, Johnson? Robert Johnson Robert Johnson Robert Johnson yeah. Yeah. The it it kind of uh relates to that, and it's a fascinating story if you know anything about the real Robert Johnson. Um, a young guy who was a, a horrible guitar player and uh, got made fun of when he, when he tried to do a gig in a, in a blues bar. 
got kicked out, came back six months later as the one of the best guitar players in the world. And That's they wondered awesome. how the hell it was possible. Um, <laughs> That's what the story's yeah. about. And it's like, it goes from being a story of determination, someone being determined and like really practicing hard to become good to a guy right. who went to the crossroads and made a deal with the devil, obviously, because, because of the change. And look, I don't begrudge it because I think, I, I always like when you watch something about someone who has an, a talent in something, especially music, and they, they put a little bit of the supernatural in it. I, don't, I, I, I never mind that narrative. Um, also, Crossroads has one of, if you're talking about a structural movie, has, is one of the, the most wonderfully structured films, journey films, um, where, you know, there's the kid, the kid there's the... the ingenue you know not he's not ingenue but you know it's that kind of uh, aspect to him he's wet behind the ears he's knowledgeable but he's not uh, he's not experienced he runs into a mentor who's a reluctant mentor who is uh, you know can be considered to be uh, unreliable and, and nefarious in his own way and <laughs> yeah he's got they, questionable motives yeah and they and they go through this just kind of coming of age. I mean, it's just, it's really unabashed coming of age circumstances. And then at the end of the, at the end of the film, they duel with the devil. So, I mean, it's, it's it kind of, it kind of yeah. takes it there, you know, it, it's not ashamed to kind of take it there. And yeah, so by shaking a guitar by the whammy bar. Yeah. <laughs> in his face, in his face, almost hitting him in the face in with it. Face, right. Yeah. In your face. Yeah, I'm trying um, to think. I'm not sure I've ever seen it. I definitely haven't. You would you would remember it if you'd seen it. Okay. And I like remember a couple of weeks ago I was talking to you about a uh, 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 F. Mary Abraham story. Um, yes. With the, the from by the sword. It's that it's that caliber of film where it's a it's a very little known film. It's a middle. It's a mid range film, but yeah, you could I, tell there was some money spent on it. Like it's not a it's not a schlock production right but it's just kind of one of those fall between the cracks films that's really good but not spectacular enough to be a box office bonanza kind right of situation um, but i do love the film i did also sorry uh i did watch the equalizer also the 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 dental washington version and i also started watching two. the first one okay uh and i started watching the the equalizer television show again oh um, i never saw any of those What's the guy's that, name? Uh, Edward. Edward Woodward. Edward Woodward. Yeah. yeah, I used to I used to watch it when I was a kid. So it's gotcha. and it's strangely, strangely different. You know, <laughs> what, what you considered <laughs> like a badass a back then is not quite what a badass is today. He he's no John Wick, <laughs> but uh, you know, very it's a very interesting, in, interesting journey. But I forgot to mention those. I'm not I'm not trying to take the floor back. I just forgot to mention that. Okay. That's it. I'm going to hold it against you. Um, Scott, I, I, I just thought about this when you brought up Crossroads. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you're uh, a guy who, who reads the occasional musical biography. Uh, have you read Texas Flood? Uh, the Stevie Ray Vaughan book that came no. out last year? No, I've heard oh, it was out. Is it good? It is. I read it cover to cover in about seven hours i couldn't put it down uh, you were on the beach though no 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 this was this was home i, oh, I which okay, which which rarely happens yeah. um i i i had i had, i knew it was coming out 
I had heard about it and I was excited because I was a big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan growing up. Uh-huh. Um, I actually turned down the opportunity to go to that show. Uh, the show, the, his last show with Clapton. Oh dude, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> and well, he didn't uh, get on the helicopter. He did, yeah. He, well, he didn't answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. he did not answer. Yet. But, um, <laughs> so then that would have been, that would have been my, uh, that would have been my first time seeing him live. I mean, I would, I, that was, I was, you know, I just, it, it oh. just didn't, it just wasn't in the cards for me to go that night. And then the next day, you know, you're just like, Wow. Oh, seriously. Wow. Yeah, it's just awful. That was but, that's, one the, that's one of those things that hits you. Yeah, Alpine Valley. It hits, it hits you when it happens, and then it just keeps hitting you every time you think about it again and again and again. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. How, how intense that kind of – Yes. For me, for, me, for me, the Bowie thing will always be like that as well because that was always one of the things that I always thought about when I, I – I, I'm, I'm no lie. When I moved to New York, I always had this thing because I knew he lived here. And I always had this thing where, and this was before I even worked in the city. I'm like, you know, I'm going to be walking the streets in New York one day and I'm going to turn around and I'm just going to bump into David Bowie. I'm have no idea what to say, but I'm just going to, I'm going to say something, you know? And, and then, and then it's just like, no, you're not, that's never going to happen. Actually. I actually did that with uh, Dave Navarro. I actually did walk (laughs) in the village and he was dressed like a leather, you know, like Dave Navarro. Uh, yeah, he was he was dressed like a <laughs> leather Power Ranger. Um, but it was like it was like that's fucking Dave Navarro. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, New York, you could do that though. It is exactly that is extremely possible to do. Exactly, and I was just like, and that, that, that's that's just something that I know that I will never that that's just then it'll never happen. And uh, it was fun to hear uh, Trent talk about that a little bit. Also on that uh, on that call was worth. You know, because somebody had asked him about, you know, the the best thing about working with with Nine Inch Nails, or the best thing about you know all the guys he went through. Like, what was your one? What's one of your like your favorite uh, memories of being in Nine Inch Nails? You know, basically, it was like your favorite moment or whatever. And uh, and the guitarist said something to Trent about Bowie, and Trent's just like, yeah. He goes, it was just, it's so weird, you know, because <clears throat> you know they got a hold of me. And it was just like, we had just come off the downward spiral tour and he goes, basically David Bowie's people got a hold of me and were like, Hey, David wants to cover hurt on the new tour. And he wants you guys to open for like this leg of the tour. And then you guys can like, come on and you know, you know, you can like perform with it. And he's just like, Okay, sure. Right. He's like, what, what, wait, what? Who is, and he thought, he thought somebody was joking with him, you know, at first, he thought he was fucking with him. And, um, one of those situations where you're like, let me think about it. You hang up the phone and you're knocking on a guy's door five seconds later. Right, right. (laughs) Are you answering my text in person? Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yes, I am. Yes, Yeah, and that he was just like, he's like, it was so, he's like, it was surreal being on stage singing my song and hearing my words coming out of a guy who I grew up listening to, you know, that. And then, and then the other thing too is somebody, somebody asked him about uh, the Johnny Cash covering Hurt. And uh, he goes, the Johnny Cash thing is really interesting. He goes, it came along right at a time when he was questioning his own. In fact, that might have been on the on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing. That might have been part of an interview with him uh, that he said that he was right at the same time that he was really questioning his own place in music and whether or not 
he wanted to continue. And then Johnny Cash, you know, Rick Rubin got a hold of him and is like, Johnny Cash wants to cover Hurt. Yeah. And he's just I'll like, fix this. And he's, he's and like, he, I'll, and, I'll settle this problem. Yeah. And he just is like, okay. He's like, and he said that the Johnny Cash covering Hurt was like a huge, a huge thing for him. Like that was like a big musical like moment. Like, oh, yeah. like stone. It's impossible, it was, it's impossible to listen to though. It's very, it's so very painful. Yeah. It's very painful. To listen to. Yeah, it, it, right? it, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think that was released posthumously. I think well, I know. I know that no, the sixth album was released posthumously. The okay, sixth, there was there's six of those American albums, and the sixth one did come out after he was dead. And you can you can hear the difference in his vocals on the sixth album, even compared to the fifth one. Um, but yeah, his you know, and but that when you go back and you listen to like his cover of Soundgarden's Rusty Cage on an american two or yeah. three or whatever it was and you're like it was just it's sort of like acoustic and jaunty and just sort of like this like strangely strangely upbeat version of that song yeah. <laughs> gonna break my rusty cage yeah, yeah <laughs> then you hear hurt and you're like god oh, damn it just and, and don't, even, don't watch that video oh i was gonna say even the video <laughs> with like well, june carter <laughs> standing on the stairs oh my god absolutely amazing just absolutely amazing. Um, anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's get a refill. All right, so we will now move on to Scott's interestingly chosen guilty pleasure because I don't know necessarily that this film falls into the guilty pleasure category because technically it's actually rated higher than his main feature choice, but we'll get into that. Um, so oh, Scott's judgment. Scott, you're being judged, Scott. Yes. <laughs> Scott's Scott's guilty pleasure film is The Warriors. These are the armies of the night. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Why'd you waste Cyrus? No reason. I just like doing things like that. You still looking for us? We found what we're looking for. No. No. It wasn't us. It was them. Warriors. You warriors are good. Real good. The best. The rest is ours. The Warriors. From 1979, directed by Walter Hill, with a running time of 92 minutes. A street gang, wrongly accused of murder, must make it back across New York City in the middle of the night to their home turf with every other gang out for their blood. We were supposed to watch The Warriors? Oh, I thought we were supposed to watch the video The Warrior by Scandal with Patty Smythe. The 13th Warrior? Uh, I, did. I, wa- I watched the video of Warriors of the Wasteland from Free Goes to Hollywood. I watched Warriors of Virtue. So, I mean, everybody oh. screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, fuck this segment, everyone. We'll see you yeah. next week. <laughs> Scott, what's up with the Warriors? The Warriors. Wow. Um, so, the Warriors. The Warriors did it. The Warriors did it. The Warriors did it. <laughs> the reason did it. I considered the Warriors a guilty pleasure. I know it's loved. 
that doesn't necessarily mean it's a highly skilled made film. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward. I don't see any great acting or necessarily any brilliant uh, storytelling going on, but I love it to death. And I think that's why I, I would consider it a guilty pleasure. The reason the Warriors resonates with me is, um, so I grew up, I grew up just over the George Washington bridge in Jersey. And uh, I have had family in the lower East side uh, growing up. And uh, every Sunday we'd take the, the drive over the George Washington bridge and down the Harlem river drive to lower East side of Manhattan. This was in the seventies uh, as I was growing up. So here I'm a young kid and I'm a, I'm a comic book freak and, and you know, all those, all those things. And uh, I just remember driving down the Harlem river drive and seeing all these walls filled with graffiti and, and cars on the side of the, on the side of the road with graffiti on them. And this is a Sunday, a Sunday morning we would always drive in. Um, and I saw all of these things and I was just like mesmerized by, by all of these different colors and, and aspects of a city that I never saw the people that actually did it. I just saw these markings and these, these things on walls and, uh, we were always on our way home before the sun went down. So I knew it happened at night. And being a comic book freak, I could just imagine what, what these, these bands of people were that, were that were doing all of these things in a, in a very rough New York City in the 70s. And so I figured that there, there had to be just this wonderfully colorful thing that was going on at night in the beaten up New York, Manhattan of the 70s. Uh, and so when I finally saw, when I saw this movie as a young kid, it was kind of like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew these freaking guys were out there. This is what they do. They roll a <laughs> skate around and they wear costumes and top hats and silk jackets. And they dress like kiss with baseball bats. You know, this is the coolest thing ever. And I can't wait till I get to go to New York at night. <laughs> like, uh, and then you, you throw all the early X-Men comics and kiss on top of it. And I just had this visual circus going on in my head. And when I saw the Warriors, it was just kind of like, that has to be what it's like. It has to be what happens. Not knowing that it's a complete fantasy. It's crazy. <laughs> but it was the coolest thing. And to me, it was just like somebody had slipped me a tape. Like, that's what you missed. You know, that's what it was. And the movie just just fascinated. It mesmerized me. It's just got this world that is built that is so colorful and so dynamic. And then by the time the movie resolved itself, the sun came up. And I'm like, well, that's that's when I drive into the city, when it's over. I, 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 it's a Sunday afternoon. I know, well, the circus is over. Everything, everything's calm again. And that's why I didn't get to see all that shit because, you know, dad wanted us home by sundown. Um, <laughs> so, so this has to be real. It might as well have been a documentary. <laughs> and the coolest documentary of all time. Uh, I loved the characters. I always found it fascinating that the Warriors were not really that tough. Like, there were one or two guys. You had Ajax and Swan and, and Cochise and, you know, and one or two of the others, but other than that, it's like, Wimps. yeah, you could probably take them. <laughs> it was just, it was just a strange thing. Well, uh, that, it appeared that every other gang had a lot more members than they a did. A lot, a lot more members. <laughs> um, 
but not Supposedly there were a thousand warriors though in a deleted scene they the cleon explains that they were chosen from the thousand I think from a, from a family of a thousand warriors. I think, okay. so, I think okay. it's actually supposed to be a little. I think about it's supposed to be about 150, actually. If because if you if you read uh, some of the text on it and everything, there were supposed to be nine members, and the warriors were supposed to number, I think, around 150. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm missing something. But what I found, it, I might I might remember the the scene incorrectly, but I I remembered Cleon saying there were a bunch like, of them. Yeah, which, something which, like there was a thousand. Maybe he might have said a hundred. Which, which, um, but I don't remember it being. But it, it doesn't matter. I, I don't think. I think the scene was cut out, so it's not even canon. You know, technically. What makes so. you, it makes you wonder why at the end when they finally got home, why they didn't stop by a payphone and call some guys to help out. But you know, whatever. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that. In this uh, film. Oh yeah, there's a ton, <laughs> there's a ton of plot holes in the movie. It, I mean, but damn it, it's memorable. Um. I, I even, you know, I would, when I could get see it on VCR, I'd try to freeze it and see, what's the name of that? The Electric Eliminators. You know, just kind of write it. <laughs> it almost felt like the movie, like, if if it could have been a TV series, right? There were just so many gangs and so much colorful stuff going on there that, like, I would have watched them fight the Electric Eliminators. That would have been cool. We only got to see this little fragment of all those gangs that I was begging for more. I wanted to know more about all those other gangs, the high hats and all these other crazy people. Um, just, just so bright and colorful and interesting. And it continues to, I mean, I know it's based off of the writer based it off of some Greek mythology and stuff. Um, and that makes sense. But in the novel, they were just kids. They were high school kids. These are not high school kids. Um, no. <laughs> you guys are in their 40s. Well, the no- the novel is a, the, the novel is a completely different animal. Yeah, yeah. It it really is a a basis kind of situation. This is not uh, if you if you go back to what the novel contains versus what the movie contains, mm-hmm. it it really is a derived from source material concept and that's where about Yeah, where yeah. It, it just goes completely different. Um the yeah. feeling of the subways like they just keep getting on this artery that's leading them back to their heart right like this like they're all the way out here and every time they hop on the subway it's like all right they made it they're back on the main artery and then they always get sidetracked i think my favorite line that i had forgotten and, and about that particular part was when they're at the park talking about how far they have to go to get back home and it's like it's got to be a hundred miles and it's <laughs> and you're like no, it's about five, but eh, okay. Well, <laughs> and I always just thought that that line was hysterical. Well, they're like, they're you don't Bronx, know right? that Coney Island to the Bronx is not a hundred miles. Well, it just showed their ignorance. That's what it showed. And, yeah. and so that's, I mean, it's pretty far, it though. I mean, on foot, on foot, that's, sure. that's a, that's a monster. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's lots of holes in it, but just even the, uh, Oh, this, the rate the radio announcer kind of kind of narrating on there again this is voice in the night on a radio station that i i couldn't quite tune into you know giving updates <laughs> giving updates about a gang making their way back home like and nobody you never stop to think hey how the hell does she know right <laughs> you know it's Who's like <laughs> back to her right yeah <laughs> getting updates from the riffs or something yeah um, but she's such a good source of uh, narrative information, yeah. right? That's the other thing. Who was the guy that the rogues kept calling? Who was the guy that Patrick Kelly was, David Patrick never... Kelly was on the phone with? 
Right, somebody else he's in cahoots with. It may be the rest of the rogues, but you don't really know. No. But, uh, That's never gone into. He's having a good time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, uh, it, it's so damn colorful and memorable. And then you have quotable lines like, can you dig it? And warriors come out to play. Those two will live forever. <laughs> you dig it. I mean, just, just right. awesome stuff. Especially uh, if you're a Pop Elite itself fan. <laughs> yes. They, they built an entire song around that song. Got that yeah. quote. Did you... Uh, are you like me, Lathan, whenever you run across movies eventually that have quotes that are in songs that you know really well, and you're like, holy shit, that's where this came from. Yep, all the time, and more so lately because of all the movies I'm watching. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's why The Warriors, uh, it, just, it just painted this world for a young kid's imagination. <laughs> just awesome. That's great. That's a, that is a, that's a phenomenal reason. I'm actually going to defer to first position here and go with Latham because Latham again has not seen this film before. So uh, I would like to get his, uh, his view of this. Cause this is a, this is, this is one of those movies that I should that, have seen by now. No, no, no. I wasn't going to go that direction with it. It was one of those movies that people of our generation, I feel like uh, it's a, it's a very touchstone movie. I think most people, really like this movie or, or go or go back to it or have a special connection to it just because of not only the time frame in which it came out, but also just because of, uh, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll let you go. Go ahead. Um, so maybe it's a little ironic. I, I think all the best and interesting things in this movie have nothing to do with fighting. Uh, any, it, all these building scenes with crowds and gangs moving around and, walking and featuring how they're dressed i mean that to me that was the most interesting thing about it the fight scenes i just they, they did very little for me that the scene with the guys with the bats what the furies i think they are baseball they furies fury, yeah. yeah i mean those guys were just horrible fighters they're terrible <laughs> they're just terrible and they had bats and they blew it they just could a movie could have ended right there but those guys were incompetent um <laughs> I think an amazing aspect of this movie is uh, where are we along Walter Hill's directorial timeline at this point? So, um, so hours was after that. So before this, uh, he did a movie called Hard Times. Yep, I know. Okay, and he did The Driver. Okay, I mean it is not easy to direct scenes with extras, especially when you've got. <laughs> <laughs> thousand extras that opening meeting with all the gangs is that's that's difficult to capture and do well and that was that was pretty cool to watch i, I also think whoever the casting director for this was i mean walter hill or whoever just said listen go out and find any interesting looking male you can find and they're in this movie in some gang uh, the leader of the, the interesting, interestingly, uh, interestingly enough, Walter Hill wanted the warriors to be an all black gang and the studio would not let him do it. They're like, yeah, because yeah. They and originally his original plan when he got the script was he didn't want, he wanted all the gangs <clears throat> to be black and Hispanic. He didn't even want any white gangs in the film. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's why um, there's so many interracial gangs in yep. the, in the film even though that doesn't usually happen. Yeah, Which right. is an interesting feel for the time. 
for 1979 that had right. to feel strange for people. Um, uh, what probably didn't feel too strange for people is the the homophobic lines that kept flying out at times. Uh, <laughs> what did they call it? Fagging up or whatever. I mean, yeah. I get it. It's not. It's not that bothersome. It's just really. Would you guys, would you guys go faggot? Um, uh, yeah, you know what? As, yeah, aside, as an aside, it. James Raymar's statement. You know, I guess you guys are all going faggot in the in the very beginning. Yeah, it was the first time I had ever heard an adult yeah. use the word faggot when I was a kid because oh. it, you know that all kids use that, but adults didn't. Adults didn't use that kind of language, so I thought that was an exclusively new kids, you know, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> phrase that kids used. So now, first of all, watching an old movie, watching an adult in an old movie say faggot, and I'm like, oh, okay, that word's been around a while. And also that adults use it. Like, this is not, this, this language doesn't belong to us. That was, that was a revelation. When that was one of the, and I only mentioned it because you just said it. It's, right. Yeah, the yeah, language no, is really like, holy shit. <laughs> what other movie would you hear that word in, in this context? I, I can't think of any. Uh, certainly not a fantasy, oh, Bill and Ted. whatever you want to call this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Choose your own, you fag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. I did laugh at that line at yeah. the time. So we all changed. Calling <laughs> Satan a fag is still uh, funny. I don't care what Yeah, I mean, that, that's just fun. that's, that's funny. <laughs> the word can be used in a special yeah, it doesn't have. It doesn't where... have. It has nothing to do with homosexuality. Just, just, just right. call it Satan a fag. It's funny. Yeah, it's just funny. And I'll have to admit, whenever the guy from the Riffs was on with his sunglasses on talking, I mean, I'm sorry, Hassan, but I thought I was just watching you. Okay, <laughs> I, I, when you have your sunglasses on, you look exactly like. And and so I was like, okay, Hassan is speaking now. I have to. No, no, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Don't black. Me. <laughs> uh, Who are the uh, warriors? And the I way they want all the warriors. warriors. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Talk about chewing scenery. Like he, that guy's the way they they frame these leaders. That guy was fresh out of uh, yeah, acting school. That was his first steps, his first job out of acting school. <laughs> they gave him three lines, and he was like, "Oh, bitch. oh, these are mine. These <laughs> lines are mine. They done messed up." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Leo. <laughs> Every time they focus on one of the leaders, I mean, even David Patrick Kelly, who's obviously my, you know, I, I love him from everything he does, from Dreamscape to Twin Peaks to whatever, and you know, he's. He's great, and he's perfect for what the role he's playing in this. And every time he's on screen, just the way he looks and Very the first lines role. he has. Are, are, it was his first role. This was his debut, yeah. Who, who, who was that? Um, Luther. Luther. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's having a field day with that car door, Luther. <laughs> <laughs> he would go on yeah. to play Luther in another Walter yeah. Hill this film. Yeah, yes. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awesome, Scott. There's, wow, there's great. a mez. That's a mezco figure. He scared the and shit out of me of in uh, Dreamscape. Guy with a baseball bat behind him on his on the feed. Duh, of course, that's why he's got. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> he was I amazing don't... in in Dreamscape. That's where oh, yeah. that's why I first saw him, and that's where he terrified me. Oh yes. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, didn't yeah he was that was a that's a little bit of an underrated film. Yes, it is. Maybe a guilty pleasure for some. But yeah, I mean, I get its pop culture place in history. 
Uh, it's uniquely directed. It's, it's never boring. I think, I don't know. I, I think I needed, maybe it's not, maybe it was never the point. I think I needed more out of the fight scenes. I just, I didn't, I didn't get much out of it. I liked everything else more than that, but it's, I, I see, I guess I just see its place in of why people have liked it for so long and why people reference it and why whenever up until last night, I, someone would bring it up in conversation. I'd be like, oh, I never saw it. And be like, you haven't seen the warriors and you've seen <laughs> all the movies you've seen. How is that possible? I get it. I get it now. Why? I've been told <laughs> Hey, so, everybody, back off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I've seen it. So now you won't be saying that anymore, will you? You will not be saying that. That's right. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's it's worth a watch, Unique, uniquely uh, uh, directed. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Walter Hill, so I can see how yeah. it, how it uh, was his progression in his directing. He was, and again, the, the extra scenes are, just all, I mean, that's a lot of different actors in all these different gangs. They weren't repeat using extras for all the gangs. They were right, nine all, yeah. for each one. And that's, man, that's, that's difficult. Trust me. That is absolutely difficult to do even with a budget or even if you're a big time director, whatever it's, you can, you can throw away extra scenes and make them not be unique enough, but he did not, you know, mail it in on the rally scene at the beginning or anything else after that. And I thought that was cool. Hassan? This, this film's like um, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I don't just, whatever, what the hell are you going to say about it? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, um, I looked while, while watching it again. There's so many things. Everything about this film is nostalgic, <laughs> you know, everything, you know, because I was, I don't know how I, I was in Catholic school when I saw it. So that means I was either in third or fourth grade. When I first saw the film, wow! I was sitting on my grandfather, you know, my my grandparents' uh, floor, watching their, watching their giant, twenty-inch screen television, <laughs> 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 you know, and <laughs> just that you know that's encased in the. Do you remember those those televisions that used to be in the in the in these giant cases oh, with the furniture? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with the yeah, stereo yeah. on top of it and everything. Yeah, that's yeah. that. That's where we were, man. I was I was home. Wait a um, minute. You mean the hi-fi? <laughs> yes, the hi-fi with no remote, no remote control, because that's remote. how far back we were remote. going. We were lucky; it was in goddamn color. Um, <laughs> and um, goddamn, holy shit! That 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 film—it's a—it's a terrifying film. It's a very scary film for a kid, you oh. know, because you take all of it seriously. None of it's tongue-in-cheek. None of it's a joke. Everything is dead serious. When you get older, things, little things start to like how come how come they don't just take the one train to 125th street and then take the d all the way to coney i don't know why you know like when you when you grow up and you understand geography you're like this movie makes no sense because... and it helps being a new yorker yes yes yeah because anyone anyone west of new york is not going to they're not gonna this. that's that's the problem like if you're in the bronx you're like okay wait a minute why are the Van Cortlandt Furies on 72nd Street? Why did they stop at, at Union Square if they were on their way to Coney Island? You know, like, there are certain things like this. Hold on. But it, New York, though. It's a fan. Yeah, it doesn't. It just doesn't fucking matter. It, does, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Um, the movie is, is, a, is a character in and of itself. You could not make this movie now. 
you couldn't have, this this movie could not have happened in any other time other than the seventies because it's it's such a, an anachronism of of all the all the stuff that they couldn't couldn't do you know um not even being political not not on a soapbox there's there's a you know there's a percentage of racism that goes into why the movie is so brilliant there's a percentage of defiance you know i mean this movie the heroes there's three black guys in the in the heroes group when i was a kid there were you you were lucky you got one token guy <laughs> you know Three to four black guys is like, wow, this whole cast is black, you know, because there's, there's more than one. There's the, the Warriors is just this eclectic, you know, collection of, isn't one of them from that 70s show? Isn't one of them the, 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 the next door neighbor? Uh, I have no idea. Go on, I'll look it up. Check the credits. One of them I, I, is very familiar. One of them is extremely, but the, all of them are familiar. One of them's from the Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> so, really? I, if not the not the band, the Bloodhound. If you if you ever seen Three Two One Contact on Channel oh my Thirteen, God, I forgot about that. There was a, there was a Bloodhound. That's where the name comes from. There was a there was a little detective unit of a girl and two kids, two guys, and one of them is the the who what's his name? Uh, the 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 really the gay one. You Rembrandt. Know, the, yeah, Rembrandt, the one with the, the, the spray paint. He was one of the Bloodhound gang. So that's where I had recognized him from. It's like it's the Marcelino Sanchez. Yeah, and he's, a, he's the one who died early, unfortunately. It's a... What is, what's to be said about this film? It's a fantastic right. film. It's, it's, just, it's a fantasy film. It's like watching Lord of the Rings. It's like watching Krull. You know, it's, it's one of these <laughs> like this. None of this could happen. This is outlandishly crazy. The movie takes it dead seriously, which is again just like just like my cousin Vinny. If the characters are convincing you that this is serious, you're convinced it's serious. You know, it's not. If they were going around just making jokes and being stupid in the midst of all this stuff happening, it all these elements that come together might not have worked as well. But even now, when you watch it, and and a lot of it is absurd, you're just like, oh, that's funny. You know, that's that's wonderfully absurd that's wonderfully crazy it does capture how dingy and terrible looking manhattan was in 1970s it was a it was an ugly place it really was that was part of the charm that was the era where they thought that the the grittier the city was the more culturally significant you know what was the surroundings and eventually people like well no maybe we should just clean this shit up you know, I mean, like, I think things would be a little better if maybe we got all this graffiti off the, I mean, like when developers came in and started re- rebuilding the city, they had to start making the city look appealing so that people would move into the city. And so, I mean, right or wrong, you know, that you, you can make an argument for why that was a good thing and why that was a bad thing, but it is what it is. It's just another aspect. It's another element of, of, you know, of my favorite, place to be you know it's like a you know of of manhattan come on guys dress up like baseball <laughs> players with with the, you know like like a scott said kiss makeup on their faces you know the scariest gang was the turnbull acs the first gang they run into that oh, was yeah, the sure. right out of right out of mad yeah. max these guys yeah. you know and <laughs> you don't see them yeah on a bus they have their own damn bus you know and then <laughs> you don't see them of all time Huh? 
is the slowest bus. It is. It is. It doesn't. It doesn't catch them at all. With the most incompetent swinger of wood ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, guys, get a better guy on that on that flank. Okay? Right on the I beam. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I. You know. I. I watch these movies and I and I think about. I, I always overthink why these are great, why I enjoy these movies so much. There's always such a, like, this is a great world. They built a wonderful world here. But, you know, most of the times these things work because you can only visit that world that one time, you know? So uh, The Warriors is one of those those films where it, it has its own universe. It has its own uh, world. It's an alternate universe, like Latham says. It's like It doesn't exist in any reality. It has elements in it that you recognize. Because we, you know, we've all been in the city, so we can recognize. Okay, that must be. That's definitely New York, because that's a New York subway, or those are New York streets and stuff. But everything else does not. It's, it's not in place, and the geography is all wrong, you know. And it's you know, there, there's no interracial gangs, you know, in the in the in in the heart of the city, especially in the '70s. None of that stuff happened. Half of these kids look like. Um, look look like uh, ballet dancers you know they're they're not they don't look like tough guys you know you wouldn't be afraid of any i wouldn't even be afraid of the baseball furies as latham says and they have bats you know i'm like what the hell are you <laughs> freaking idiots that. doing you know but it 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 just works i don't know why it works but it works in that in this setting with this this particular mix of elements at this particular time when the film was made by this particular director with these particular actors all of it works and I have absolutely nothing negative to say about it other than the geography is just like, I don't know why I just get on a D train. I just, I never understand. Like, why don't you guys just get on? It just, it's a straight shot. It goes right into Coney Island. The last stop on the D train is Coney Island. You imagine, know? imagine today they could have just Ubered home. They could have, yeah. they could have just called an Uber. <laughs> the, the, the biggest, the biggest yeah. argument would have been like, like who's, you know, who's paying for this? Because you know, I don't. Well, if they had, if they had a, first of all, if they was doing it now, everybody, all of them would have had their own car, you know, or they would have stolen a car. They don't even, they don't even approach that. Like, let's yeah. steal a car and drive back to Coney. Right. Like, the rogues, the, the rogues had a car. Yeah, it was just <laughs> yeah. this thing. A beauty. All the millennial gangs would have just stayed home, and and the indelible <laughs> they would have zoom linked in. Yeah, they would. Have, yeah, they, they wouldn't have. Yeah, <laughs> going to get you in the future. The indelible impression I have because I only remember very very little of it from from the first time I watched it when I was a kid. I remember being I remember being afraid of the whole movie. I remember Ajax getting caught by the cops because of Mercedes Rule, um, who you know. One of her first roles, which she still looked old. First but, American yeah. film. Yeah, amazing. I remember what's his name being run over by the train, which is horrible. And I'm sure Steve will elaborate on why that particularly happened because that's a funny story. And I remember the fucking eagles at the yeah. end of the. You know, I it's remember watching so it on watch. television. It's um, actually yeah. Joel well, yeah, wrote the song me. for that film, and then the Eagles liked it so much that they, they re-recorded they... it for the long run. Wow, that's cool. And I, I'm when I was a kid, that was the the thing I remembered the most was that song. Yeah, and then yeah. and then you know Still. all the other pieces, all the other pieces kind of fell into place when I when I watched it again as a as a as a teenager, when I you know when I was a little older to understand it. But that song, I never forgot that song. 
And I just never forgot. It's it's a very simple song. It's very simple uh, chorus, a hook of in the city. And it's just and I remember them being frozen on that beach. Yeah. They freeze the film there and they roll the credits. And I remember listening to that song. And I I think that film put such a hook in me that you know. Um, I don't know if you guys ever had this experience, but when you watch something that that kind of messes you up a little bit, you're just kind of shell shocked watching the credits roll at the end of this, you know, and you're just like, I don't know what just happened. You know, like this, this is the yeah. craziest thing. So, I mean, I got nothing negative to say about the Warriors. That's a, that was a great, I, I really enjoyed that Scott picked it. Like, oh, I get to watch the Warriors again. Me too. And I got to watch the original version and not the, not the remake uh, revision with the oh, the director's cut with the comic. You know what's panels. interesting, son? When you, when you say at the end with that song and they're walking on the beach, they walk for quite a while before it freezes. Yes. And I watch every moment of it. Like, I'll sit through it. I'll sit through them walking down that stupid beach. It, it's just stupid. You know what's interesting? That song is a very, it's very, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's part of the, the visual experience of the film. Yes. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a huge character. It's the, last, it's the last bite of that apple of the film, but it's a huge part of, the yeah. memory, you know, it, it, the, 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 the synapse that fires when you think about oh, that yeah. film. Yeah. Hey, Steve, I don't know if you came across any of the right, uh, any of the promo stuff for it that starts with in the near future. But I find that interesting. Um, a lot of times when you read about the Warriors, it'll say in the near future, almost like it's post-apocalyptic. That's, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, the city's so unbelievable in that movie, the way it looks, <laughs> that they even say in the near future. So yeah, it's like it's almost like a class of nineteen eighty four or a class of nineteen ninety nine kind of thing. Right. right. Escape from New York, whatever. Same same world. They they knew they were going over the top. So they even they didn't say it's nineteen seventy nine, because you would have been like eh. Still in an apocalypse, you would get on the D train. Now. Walter Hill is the one who wanted that. Walter Hill is the one who wanted that sometime in the future bit in there, and the studio didn't think it was necessary, so that's why it was removed and then dropped back in in the director's cut into the panel, right? Uh, the second panel you see after they do the little animated Greek history lesson, right? Right. Uh, bit. Uh, as a matter of fact, Hassan, I don't have the story about Thomas Waits being thrown in front of the train, so uh, please elaborate. He was supposed to be the uh, the love interest for Mercy, uh, Mercy, and he just was not getting along with the director. He wasn't getting along with Hill, so he threw him in front of a train. He uh, fired him why, and threw. Is that why he's so far down in the credits? Probably, because if, if you look at IMDb, it'll name all the warriors mm-hmm. except him. And then oh. it's way down. Well, it could be. He's also Windows from uh, from the thing, the thing. Yeah. You know, which I didn't know. So I mean, his career survived. He survived. Yeah. Him, he, but... he teaches acting in New in the New York now. So yeah. Um, also, they had another actor who was supposed to be um, Cyrus. Yeah. And he disappeared. Yes. The rumor is that he was a gang guy that they were going to have play Cyrus and at Hill had made a deal with him and had hired him to come in and do this. And then the night of the shoot or the day before the shoot or whatever, nobody could find him. And he, he just fucking disappeared and no one had any way to get in touch with this guy. Yeah. And Hill ended up tracking down, uh, was it Roger Hill or something like that? Roger something or other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Roger um, Hill. Yeah. 
which I mean, holy crap, like yeah. what an accident, you know, what yeah. an accident to make, you know, like. Exactly, right. exactly. So, and I mean, the way that the, the way the story is described, you don't know if that guy was killed. You don't know if he ever turned up again or if it was just cold feet that he just, yeah. Yeah. you know, you don't know what happened. Well, once the production but, left, who cares, you know? Yeah. Who knows? That's true. Wasn't. Wasn't the girl who played Mercer? Or I, I should be I just asking. Deborah Van Valkenburg, yeah. Yeah. I, I, she reminded me of the actress who's in, uh, I mean, obviously it's not her, but maybe it could have been her. Nightmare on the Street? Uh, no. Uh, New Heart? Too Close for Comfort, right? Too, too Close for comfort. comfort was the show she was on. It's the girl from uh, Death Proof with. Um, Oh, uh, uh, Ferlito is her last name. Yeah, that's, Vanessa Ferlito. Yeah, that's who she. Oh, rem- Ferlito reminded <laughs> me of. They're probably not related, but uh, as I was watching her, because I liked her, I thought she was she was good, and uh, I was just curious if she oops spawned. Well, yeah, they just steal her too. <laughs> they just take it as Coney Island. They didn't. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't steal her. She went. Yeah, yeah but I mean, she just like one day she went outside. You can't, you can't imagine she actually told her parents like, "Hey, I'm going out for you know, I'm going to Coney Island, you know, for so, the rest God, of my all life." The parents per- are dead. Okay. Pertaining to her, yeah, her parents or whatever. All dead. They just, she just walked out one day and never came back home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she's just gone. She just got caught up in a gang war. That's it, it's funny. It's funny timing wise too, because obviously she's uh, one of the antagonists in Hellstrom, which is kind oh, of, which is kind man. of funny. Oh wow! Did you finish that Hassan? No, by the way, not yet. No? Okay, not yet. Um, I would have put it on my list if I uh, had. Fair enough. I was I was thoroughly uh, invested in this movie for about three months as uh, during my time uh, at Mezco as uh, one of the projects that I was in charge of was the. Uh, Mezco Warriors box set of their 112 action figures. So, like Scott, for example, on on your figures you have behind you, those early Warriors figures. If you look at the shoes on the Baseball Furies, they are yes. And if you look at the shoes on, say, do you have Ajax or Swan there? Uh, Swan. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same shoe, just repainted. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. no the fury doesn't have a heel okay all right so um so the same the same shoes are on uh ajax and swan figures but um they are wearing very different shoes so if you by the time we get to the 112 figures there's a couple of things that uh obviously we changed not the least of which is the fact that a everybody's wearing the correct shoes but the shoes that the baseball furies wore were hand painted Nikes called the waffle trainer. Uh, and then we, um, through connections that I had, we were actually able to secure the rights with Nike, uh, in order to actually put the Nike logo onto the shoe for the toys. Wow. <laughs> the one twelve version of the, of the warriors had, they have the, the, the custom, painted Nike shoes and the way they appear in the film. Yeah, this is so I, I spent a lot of time watching portions of this movie very, very closely, you know, getting reference for all the bat designs. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. I would have been, I would have been 10, 11 when it came out. Yeah. Same year. It came out the same year as the warrior or at, uh, I'm sorry, warrior alien. 
which I was able to talk my mother into taking me to see in the theater, I would not have been able to talk her into taking me to see the Warriors. <laughs> um, just not her thing. So uh, I don't know. I must. I had to have been probably. I would think either in high school or maybe or possibly even later. You know, more more deeper into the VHS era, or or maybe I caught it. I caught it on um, uh, on cable on on HBO on early on HBO or 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 one of those uh, early on opportunities. I remember liking it. Uh, you know, and then the lat when I. The, I hadn't seen it for a long time when I had to start watching it for, for reference purposes. And um, I mean, I get it. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a super lean movie. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of the movie is shot in just sort of pieces and they go together as pieces because you're, you're sort of, it's almost like a travel log. You're like, you're going from point to point and the pieces that need to sort of dovetail into other parts do, and they're just fine. And the other parts, you sort of travel along this path. And like, you know, he mentions early on that, oh, if we get separated, we'll meet at the Union Square station. So, you know, you know, at some point, they're going to be able to just all sort of kind of recoalesce at the Union Square station. And so, so them splitting up is not as big a deal as it might be to people who aren't used to being in and around New York City or, uh, you know, to that kind of thing, because they already had sort of a plan in place, which was, you know, which was a great, a great thing to have set up early on. So you didn't have this thing like, well, oh, my God, how they were going to find each other. Uh, because honestly, anyone who's ever been to New York City, even now, uh, finding another human being in New York City without cell phones or anything of that nature is very unlikely, if, if not impossible. Um, this was the first film for a lot of people. Um, you know, David Patrick Kelly, which we already talked about, um, who improved the entire clinking of the bottles and come out to play a line that was all stuff that he made up um, based on a neighbor of his that used to intimidate him wow. um, when he was uh, when he was younger, uh, which was kind of funny. But uh, Hill apparently asked him, you know, he had he had something, some little tick or something that he was doing and it wasn't really working. So he just told him, come up with something. And, you know, that's what he came back with. And, you know, now it's hmm. now it's, you know, Bannon. yeah, it's it's, you know, it's <laughs> legendary. Yeah, I don't even know the word Hassan's for it. But... Life. Huh? Shaped Hassan's life. That's right. And the nostalgia behind it, right, Hassan? <laughs> and he just gets he like he gets more and more agitated in that whole sequence he does he does it like four times and he just gets more and more hyped up it's so funny you know it's a, what what the best thing about that was when they when they riffed on that in um warriors of virtue which is a terrible film but uh yeah, i don't know what you keep saying that i have no idea what that is it's it's a it's a very bad wannabe uh teenage mutant ninja turtles a film with uh instead oh. of turtles it's with uh it's with kangaroos you've heard of it you just don't know it's called uh warriors of virtue okay but angus mcfadden who played uh yeah who played uh robert the bruce right he plays the villain in that and at the end he he challenges the warriors to a duel and he goes well he he calls them out says warriors come out and play and oh, we boy. were in the, we were in the theaters going oh he didn't just do that did he <laughs> nice <laughs> that makes a bad movie even worse at this point <laughs> yeah um Tony Danza was offered the lead to this film. 
<laughs> and could have pulled it up and and chose to do taxi instead uh good, which good move which was yeah, a, which is a well, it turned out to be a, a great choice <laughs> yeah. uh and apparently the role of cowboy was offered up to robert de niro who declined wow jesus that would have been interesting uh, well it's such a i mean it's such a minor role it's not really you know anything it's funny so walter hill at the time uh besides obviously putting this to this project together as a director and uh I don't know if he was a, I think he may have been a producer on this or he might've just been director. Anyway, at the same time, he was in the middle of co-production on alien. So he was actually watching an, uh, a film from 78 called Madman, uh, which starred a young actress named Sigourney Weaver, who they were potentially looking for as the lead for alien. And that is where he ran across Michael Beck, because Michael Beck is also in that film, and that's where he spotted him and said, hey, he might be a good swan for my gang movie. <laughs> so on his hunt for on his hunt for Ripley, he uh, he found his swan. Um, and then uh, also he was also uh, rushing this to schedule because at the same time, apparently, maybe Paramount, whoever was doing The Wanderers, was it was coming out at the same year they found out it was coming out at the same time so they they had three editors working on this at the same time wow. to get it put together uh so again they could beat uh the wanderers to theaters by a few months doesn't even compete though i mean oh yes yeah i agree i mean it's a totally i mean it's the thing is is like and if you go back and you look through walter hill's uh library of of stuff it's like you know there's very few there's very few directors who you can go through i mean i don't think anyone's going to put walter hill in the same the same box as spielberg or scorsese or these kind of like auteurs of film um but the thing about walter hill is he's a really consistently good director and he knows how to pick good scripts and do something with the scripts he gets. Sure, so when, sure. when you look back through his catalog of films, it's interesting to see how many of his films, I mean, for me to look back and see that I've missed actually so few of them. I mean, I've seen almost everything he's ever done and it's not by, it's not like I hunted down Walter Hill films. It's just because what he's done are really are really good films. Yeah. They resonate with you. Yeah. And they just, you know, and what he does works, uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's like Pete Hyams, you know, there's a certain, yeah. there's a certain group of directors from the eighties and nineties who are, or were flourishing in that time period, I should say, yeah. um, who made really great, just action thrillers. And, you know, you can kind of go back to any of them and they're just, it's great stuff. And, and Walter Hill is one of those guys. Um, he had his hands in a lot of different stuff too. A lot, of, a lot of things that people don't know that Walter Hill was involved with, you know, like for example, with alien, like not many people realize that he was a producer on alien. He was originally supposed to direct it and then eventually, you know, declined, you know, what kind of movie would that have been? You know, Walter Hill directing alien. Yeah. I can't even imagine it. A lot of different probably on the Nostromo. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, the Warriors is uh, Warriors is a great movie. It's uh, it's I, I, as I mentioned earlier, it's 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 I think it's one of those films that in, in our generation is just a it's a touchstone film. It's a it's a it's a film that everyone knows and is is you know it's like it's fried chicken it's comfort food it's you know it's a it's a it's it's a bowl of popcorn in front of the tv for 90 minutes it's it's lean it's fast it's it's fun to watch you know you know there's 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 no surprises there's no there's no parts of it where you want to fast forward through there's there's no that's just it's just a great movie you know that that that's yeah the even the even the mystery isn't a mystery because you know who shots at us like right away like it doesn't even it doesn't even hide anything. You're, from you're not trying to solve any problem. You're just, you're just, you're there. You're, you're along for the ride, you know, really. And, and, and the, in a, and the ride is great. You know, it's, it's one of those films where when I find somebody our age that hasn't seen it, I'm excited to share it with them. Yeah. Oh, like, right. <laughs> you're all, oh, you all, oh, oh, here, here, here. Yeah. 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 Oh, you got to watch yeah. this. This will be a ride. That's, yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's someone, you know, who has like some, you know, more than a passing interest in film in yeah. general, you know, it isn't like, you know, that they claim to be a film person as opposed to just like, eh, I like movies. I wonder what, what the, uh, what a millennial reaction would be. Um, they wouldn't get past the faggot line. Yeah. They'd be like, Nope. And I'm not, I'm not even being facetious about it. <laughs> they wouldn't get mm-hmm. past most of the language, you know? Hmm. And and the fact that technically I know I know that I know she Mercy went with them, but technically they stole her. You know, <laughs> you could you could look at it that way. Yeah, you know, technically that, she yeah. was. Yeah, it's so, exhausting. Uh, too. Their their journey is exhausting, so that would make any millennial tired, <laughs> and they wouldn't. Want to- An interesting story about how you know that you know when he when he shows back up after he splits off by himself for a bit, and he comes back to the ninety sixth Street station. And uh, she's still there after, you know, uh, after Fox got thrown in front of the yeah. train. But now she's wearing a jacket and she's like, and he's like, where'd you get the jacket? And she's like, I stole it. Who cares? You know, whatever. <laughs> so the reason that they switched her over to a jacket was so during that sequence where Fox and her are running down the platform, she was running with Fox's stunt double. And when he fell, he forgot to let go of her hand and, brought he took her down with him and she broke her wrist oh. so the the jacket is hiding a cast from where she broke her hand mm-hmm. wow that's interesting <laughs> but the world they live in I, you know her her explanation just fits like you're like oh okay. you, yeah you yeah. never i mean honestly i never even even knowing that fact going into it this time by the time you got to that point in the movie and i was like oh there's the jacket that's why you know, yeah. so that's why she's got the jacket now i still didn't look at her right hand ever to see if you could ever see a bit of the cast sticking out or her hand wrapped up or anything like that. I just never thought about it again, you know, and that's, that's, that's one of the things, I mean, this is one of those movies where even if you've seen it 10 times, you still just get sucked into it, you know, and that, that's the, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, that's the trademark of a really good film, you know, or really, you know, a film that, that, regardless of how many times you've seen it, how many times you, you know, how well you know it, if you can quote it front to back, it doesn't matter when you watch it, it just pulls you in and you just enjoy it as it, as it, as it rolls out in front of you. Even if you know every scene as it's coming up. Yeah. 
really know. great character moment in that is uh is in, when they're on the train and the kids from the the prom come on. Oh, it's she's, awesome! She's she's trying to fix her for her hair, and he just puts her hand down like yeah. It's, you know. it's a really it's you know that it's funny watching that watching that earlier tonight. I noticed that that is a that scene almost it almost feels like incredibly out of place in this film because I feel like that's a very, very nuanced scene. Oh yeah. And this film is a blunt object. Yep. Yeah. And I just feel like for, for what this movie is for him to drop that little, you know, three or four minute scene in was it, it just, it was, it was, it's pretty ballsy because I mean, I think more of the people would have gotten to that point and just gone, what the hell is that for? Like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah him, I mean, how dare you? <laughs> that's him it's also look at contrast. That's the director saying, "No, you're going this way now." Yeah, and that's you know, there's also the fact that these people have a, a, a sense of their own pride, but also to in- introduce like not only is not only is things fucked up in the in the gang world, but then there's also a class system that they have to deal with. I mean, the scene is absurd anyway, because no kids from a prom are going to come into a, a car full of gang members and stay there. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not like they're going to sit down and go, all right, all right, let's just, hey. let's just keep, you know, keep up our merriment while these guys just staring daggers at us from across the way. Yeah. You know, and I, I will tell you honestly, as a person who has ridden the subway his whole life, that is a truism. You are not going to stay in that car. You're just not, you know, you're like, hmm, huh? I wonder what's going on in this other car where there's a whole bunch of, you know, oh, the air conditioning in here is not that great. Excuse me. I have to. I think I'm just going to step over to yeah. another train. And he's literally a, wearing his colors. Like there's no. Yeah, I mean, it, they've got a fucking jacket that says warriors on it. You know, it's not, it's not even a joke. Yeah, he is but a it's, gang member. Yeah. But it, it just goes on. But it's an it's an. I I always thought that that scene was really great. And it's another thing that it doesn't explain itself. You either know what he means by telling her not to fix herself in front of these people, or you don't, you know, it's something you either get or you don't get, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it is like Steve said, it's very ballsy. And you know what you you notice after that, what's interesting is she closes her eyes, they get off the train, and when she opens her eyes, it's like she's seeing with new eyes. They're gone. Right. Or, or were they... Or were they, or were they really there? Were either were they really there, or she's literally seeing things differently? Yes, right. Which right. I don't know which one it is, but it's powerful that one that they he specifically shows her open her eyes and looking, and the same framing where they were sitting, the seats empty. So it's yep. definitely intentional, and it's fascinating that he made that choice. Very powerful. Or it's her, you know, you could also read it as her glimpsing, you know, getting a glimpse of a different life that, you know, is just unattainable. Right. Yeah. But it makes you think either way. Oh, think, yeah. It, ma- it makes you think. And then three seconds later, we're back to Looney Bin. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no. Also, how much of a badass must Cleon have been if if Swan and Ajax were subordinate to that guy. Oh, yeah. And Swan and Ajax were no fucking slouches to the, you know, they were yeah. they, so so like okay, Cleon got destroyed by a whole bunch of whiffs. Wow. But how much if he was the leader, how much of a badass was he have been to be right, to, you know, that would have I mean, you get the impression if all the warriors were there, they would have taken over the whole city. You know, just just by <laughs> 
<laughs> By the way, those guys just kind of moonwalked all the way home. Um, but <laughs> they did. I mean, it's there was peril. And then some of them, the, the, the shit that they got into was always when they, were doing, when they did something stupid. If they had all just stayed together and gone home, yeah, right, it would have been fine. But every time someone stopped yeah. to go rape someone or, uh, <laughs> you know, or stopped to, get, to go to a, a lesbian orgy or some witness like that, that's wow. when they were, oh, come on, well, well, what else was that? They called themselves the Lizzies. Well, not, yeah, it wasn't even they, subtle. They didn't know that till they got there, and then until <laughs> yeah. the gay guy was like, "Something ain't right." Yeah, <laughs> and you and you know he'd be the one to notice, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Well, that was the whole. You know, that's the whole I'm point. Actually, I'm actually still thinking with my head here, guys, and as a kid, this doesn't look good. As a kid, it's like I Southern Comfort, that. where uh, you know, where Powers Booth is like, "Hmm, I don't think we yeah. should stay." No, <laughs> it, it freaked me out as a kid when he got cut. Like, yeah. With a knife, yeah, and it was bad. It looks bad. Yeah, that right. freaked me out. <laughs> of all the things, <laughs> oh, we got a cut. Yeah, but the, <laughs> here's the guy that here's the guy that's being careful. And if you're if you're scared of this world at all, the guy you relate to, because for the whole yeah, movie he's guy. like, "Let's get the f out of here," and <laughs> he's the guy that catches the switchblade across the arm. Yeah. You know, it's like. And the other two, and the other guys are just like they're all dick, you know. It's all id, you know. They're like, yeah. we're not, we're good, man. We don't even have to be warriors anymore, man. We're we're good. Right six, six shots from fifteen feet away miss all exactly. three of them, but that dude gets cut. Yep. <laughs> Poor Rembrandt. Ah, <laughs> uh, the warriors. All right. Uh, so before we jump into posters, anybody need anything? No good. Okay. I need money, power, and respect. You're not going to find any of that here, pal. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> well, you might find a little respect. You um, got to ask, but you do have right. to ask. That is right. So, <clears throat> so we've got a short subway ride. And Latham, oh. and Latham's not playing tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very sorry, Scott, that you have to witness this. What, what, what happened here? Here we go. <laughs> we have a we have a we have a short subway train ride. Oh, I mean, oh, we're, we're going to talk about Jonathan Lynn's movies in the Martini. <laughs> no, Lay. Oh. We forgot something. Oh, what do we do before that? We go oh, down the God. tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. <laughs> oh, not him again. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll enjoy the next this next section a lot more. Oh, I'm uh, so, not sure I will. Oh, I bet you will. So for the Warriors. That's so um, they actually they actually took a lot of flack for uh, the text on this poster when this came out. I mean, they had a lot of problems when this when this film came out. There was a lot of reports of violence around surrounding the film. They eventually ended up pulling the film out of a lot of theaters um, because of uh, the potentiality of problem that they thought that they were going to have problems with. But you know. Like the beginning of this tagline, it's it's all meant to be doom and gloom, apocalyptic, and then they're just like, ah, don't worry, they're only out to get the warriors tonight. <laughs> yeah, you're you're yeah. safe as long as you're not one of them. I mean, this poster is very intimidating. Okay, I mean, except for the baseball guys who just I'll, I'll re- restate that they're a bunch of <laughs> dopes. 
with no technique. I mean, if you're going to start a baseball gang, you, you know, go and get some failed minor league players, okay, who at least know how to swing a goddamn bat. The other problem is the guy in front is one of the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, so, he's, he's very Michael Beckish. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, isn't that Cleon? Like, why is he? Yeah. Why is Cleon standing there? I'm not, I'm not one of them. Don't worry, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> kind of fade and blend into the back there. Yeah, and they're like, put no. red, blue, and green guys on the top of the hill. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. just like the groups of colored smocks in the background. Group. It's like it's like a it's like a a, a, a chorus like sing off or something where they everybody has to dress <laughs> in the same colored smock. <laughs> but. Anywho, uh, so the UK quad is next, and it's just a simple still of you know, it's fine. That's decent. Yeah, cool. nothing. Got a big wall or or yeah, subway or something. Kind of gives kind of gives away the ending because they make it home. But well, you, know, well, you don't know. They could they could be leaving. You don't know. Not with uh, not with Mercy. They don't know that she's not in the gang. Oh, fair enough. So uh, uh, next is the French version. De la nuit. Uh, so this is obviously for the uh, with the uh, with the with the version integral. I don't. Frank Marshall was the executive producer on this one. Yes, that's pretty cool. This yeah, I saw that. Indirect. I saw that in the opening credits this time, and I was like, "Wait, whoa, wait, what?" Yeah, Frank Marshall. That's all right. All Isn't right. this Warriors of the Night? Yeah. Yes. Okay. As opposed right. to Warriors of the Day, which is <laughs> yes. not very suspenseful. Different bunch of guys. They're not even scary. The or Warriors the, of the Day are not nearly as scary. Or the Gary Ayers of the Night. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. It could be. Uh, it could be armies. It could be the armies of the night, just like it would be the tagline off the off the English poster. Okay. Uh, so next the Japanese poster it says takes that same still from the UK quad. Yeah. Text texts it up. Okay. A little better perspective on this one, and also they they did get the dynamicity of the uh, of the puddle, you know. Yes. Uh, next is the Thailand, which is a repurpose well quasi repurposing repainting of the main poster, with the addition of what looks to be a fire truck blowing up. <laughs> um, oh, that the de- the Cyrus, and I'm not sure which, and the, and the Gordon fisherman apparently. And- <laughs> and, and the Gordon's fisherman being uh, uh, mauled by somebody. So uh, being mugged. Yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. what. I'm not sure who those two guys are supposed to be. Yeah, well, it's a little odd. This, it might as well be a poster for The Impossible, which I just watched this week, because you know there's a lot of people and some and a fire truck blows up, fire engine. And- oh, okay. Well. There you go. Then maybe it, maybe it was actually uh, meant to be for the impossible. Well, I don't like it. All right. So, so, <laughs> oh, you know, something we didn't talk about um, in the movie was the fact that um, you'll find now that Scott, do me a favor, hold up the back of uh, <laughs> Swan to your yeah. camera. So if you, if you can get a little bit closer, uh, I get the logo on the back of the vest. All right, so, yep. so right that there. logo with the has a cobra's head and some stylized flames. Mm-hmm. That is the official logo that you are forced to use if you make 
any warrior's product. You are not allowed to use the skull with the wings that is seen in the film. And it is a non-negotiable item that comes direct from the licensor. You are not allowed to use that, that the, the, the skull and the, or the flaming skull and wings. It is a Hell's Angel trademarked logo and they will defend it vigorously. And they, and that's why the, 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 uh, the studio came up with that alternative logo as a trade-off with them so that that logo will never be used going forward on any. That's the one thing that's about the new figures that we had no say over. There's the one thing we could not get past the licensor was, uh, was that. Now, that being said, so the very first mock-ups we ever made of the vests, and I didn't know this, that we couldn't use the original logo. So we had little vests made up for some of the figures. <laughs> so the first poster here is by Dan Mumford. Uh, I don't know. Uh, poster, it's just a picture. We've been over this before. Yeah, we have. I'm just reiterating it. Thanks. Oh. Uh, so next is a poster by Gabs. It's not bad. Looks some like he nice, put Fox in there. I don't know why Fox is in there. There's some nice realism in that. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Uh, that's the nice whole stuff. thing is just nicely, this is nicely put together. Yeah. Good color. Uh, uh, next is a fun one by uh, yeah. a guy who goes by the name Gentleman Pencil. That's just great. That's just great. You know, just completely designy, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's not. Minimalistic, not, uh, but works. <laughs> the thing, the question I would have to uh, ask, and and Hassan, you would know better than I, is this? Oh, it's okay. Oh, never mind. It does say at the top that it's a subway map from '79. So I was going to say, is this the? Is this an accurate subway map from '79? Uh, I can't see the stations because when you zoom in, it pixelates. Yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't know. It it could be. Yeah. Why would he not go well, into that detail there if he's going to it everywhere? No, I no, I I I I agree. I agree completely. I was just curious if there was just glance. I mean, if he it. actually just took a a, a seventy a nineteen seventy nine subway map and slapped a W on it, it's a very clever design idea. But it's a, it's it's the laziest poster oh, yeah. you've ever made. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he handed it in. I'm I'm done. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Next, <laughs> next is a poster by John Conlon. Pretty good. Creepy baseball guy who sucks. Uh, the likenesses <laughs> kind of fall apart when you get closer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, got the DJ in there, though. That's cool. Yeah. Who played her? Lynn, Lynn Thigpen. Of any note otherwise? Uh, She's been yeah. in a bunch of things. Yeah, she has. She's... Uh, She's actually she's one of those people who you would recognize. Yeah. She reminded me of uh just by her mouth uh yeah. uh the uh mean lady uh in Lean on Me that went after That's her. Is that her? Mm-hmm. No way. That's awesome. I'm pretty good sometimes. 
I was gonna I was gonna mention that, but I figured that was gonna be so obscure. Yeah, oh, she's, I love Lean gonna... on Me. That's a great movie. Yeah, she has seventy one acting credits. She's yeah. she's done some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she's very distinct in her how she speaks, and you can tell by her mouth, which is yep. cool. That's cool. Uh, so next is a piece by Joseph Harold. I like this one a lot. That's just that's got kind of a yeah. thirty days of night <clears throat> feel to it. A little bit. That's a great one. It's a great. It's great. This guy did a series of these kind of silhouette with uh, uh, black uh, black images against them in the silhouette of the main character. That uh, it's a fun series to look up. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I really like this. That's fun. Uh, I like that, the red on white. You know, the the, yes. the 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 black fading to red to white. That's pretty fantastic. Yep. Uh, next is uh, Kevin Wilson. That's pretty good. Also goes yeah. by the name Ape versus Girl. Okay. <laughs> no, it, it's pretty good. Now, are they going or coming? No, they're going because of the backs of the jacket. I think it's ambiguous. That is really wonder- wonderful. Well, yeah, but you can see the backs of their jackets. So, well, obviously. That's true. Hard to refute that one this time. And then he's got I like the, this one. And he's got the uh, the names of the gangs kind of littered around there, too, in the lights. Could have had a couple more. Yeah, the Rogues and the, the Furies. These are all the ones that make a difference. Yeah. yeah, I would have put a whole bunch more in there, but whatever. I don't do that. Would have made it busy. Yeah, you would, like you would have one, failed. Man. Yeah, I would have um, so I here, put this one on my wall. <clears throat> so here's one by Marco Cerna. Yeah, that's one of my favorites of the bunch. The purple one? No, the, the one no, by this, Cerna. Marco Cerna, the one where yeah. it's like it's got a very kind of painterly feel to it, a little bit rougher. Um, yeah, it's good. He made his own logo. Uh, no, that's closer to the, well, so that, so there is another logo. Okay. So there's another logo besides the one with the snake and there's the one with the skull and the wings. And then this was the first alternative logo they used, which is kind of like the head of a dog with the wings. And now they don't allow this one either. So this was their first alternative, but they don't allow this one anymore. It's only the the snake's head with the uh, with the uh, the flames. Ah. So the next is uh, Mickey Edge. It's a good one. I will not read the Dell book, by the way. Nah, I don't want to read it. <laughs> there's, there's... I don't like your posters re- telling me what to do. You don't. You're not the boss of me, poster. I will not read the Delbo poster. <laughs> uh, next is uh, an image by Sam Gilby. This is good. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty tough, man. Jeez. Yeah, Sam does nice work. That's just wow. <laughs> Turnbulls. See, because that's the scariest fucking moment in the film. Yeah, the turtles <laughs> at the bottom is great. <laughs> and, I, and I love that he that he overlaid the subway route over the wings. Yeah. Yes, he did. Like the subway routes. Yeah. It's just a little thing. I, I actually just noticed that. And Cleon made it. Yep. <clears throat> great. <laughs> great. Fantastic poster. You uh, notice that the uh, the guy that plays um what the hell is it, Vermin? I think it is. Yeah. He looks like the lead singer of Lover Boy. 
<laughs> Come on. He's working for the weekend, man. Yes. He, he, he was really doing everything he could. Uh, next is uh, a poster by Scott Saslow. Again, minimalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as good as the other. I like this one. If you, but it, you might yes. not know it's for the Warriors. That's the problem. Right. You might think I, you're I, a, a, like, a, like a four-year-old and you say, I love New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. very nice. Well played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, lastly is an image by Tomer Hanuka. For a movie called Cops. <laughs> yeah. interesting. The, interesting. the cops you can barely see the fucking warrior running like yep. a coward up a flight of steps exactly. from an army of cops you call the cowards. it's uh <laughs> it's funny the um the cop that ends up hitting ajax who and he's uh handcuffed to the park bench yeah he lost the role of Ajax to James Remar. Oh, that's class. That's why he punched him. Oh, that's why he did it for real. <laughs> that's why Remar is, you fucking faggot. <laughs> no, he <laughs> says, wimps. Wimp, you wimps. wimps. You punch your wimps. Wimps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ajax is gone, by the way. That guy's not coming back because no. he's going in. Yeah. He's going up for attempted rape, uh, you know. Uh, so he's ah, uh, they'll never be able to pin. He's going straight him. to quiet, cool, <laughs> awful film. And then he ends up in uh, Judge Dredd. He, he that he gets out of he gets out on parole just in time to be killed by Judge Dredd. He the goes bad uh, guy. He, is he in Forty Eight Hours? Yeah, yeah, he's the yes, bad he guy is. in Forty Eight Hours. That that's yeah. that's legitimate. Quiet, cool is not, but Forty Eight Hours is legitimate. James Raymar. Yeah. yeah. Durable. Like Fred. Uh Remar would Remar would end up doing um I believe uh four films with Walter Hill. I do Southern Comfort. Uh Southern Comfort and I believe he was in Long Riders as well. What about Extreme Prejudice? Was that Walter Hill? I don't I don't think he was in Extreme Prejudice. That's an underrated film. Crazy ending. Um I mean, yeah, Tim he, Burton has kept some awful scripts. That's what I'm saying. You're in Tim Burton territory now because he's he does not know how to pick good stories. He's a great but director, he, but... He's got some visual flair that a lot of people just will never have. Tim Burton's got Correct. that thing. One of but, the most visually spectacular films I've ever seen, and it has not been yet surpassed, is Sleepy Hollow. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um and and then and then after that it was Planet of the Apes. So I mean, yeah, that's dude. That's Planet of the, I still maintain that Planet of the Herb, Planet of the Apes is the shiniest turd ever put on film. Far <laughs> and away, it, it it is the prettiest looking piece of shit ever made. It I would throw is. Pearl Harbor up there too. Pearl Harbor is pretty. Pearl Harbor is very Pearl pretty. Pearl that bad either. I think it, it's not great, but it's better than it. Oh, oh it's a, it's better than Planet a, of the Apes. That's for oh, that's for absolutely. I don't know. See, I enjoy watching Planet of the Apes more than I enjoy trying to watch cardboard Ben Affleck. Uh, know. You know, romance a cardboard uh, uh, Kate Beckinsale. Mm, they're they're very cardboard they're very, Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> they're very pretty, but I mean, the trailer for Pearl Harbor was holy. Yep, stunningly oh, beautiful. That nice. overhead shot yeah. of the bomb going into the Arizona and it bucking up out of the water to the camera. Yeah. I yeah, like the kid a, oh playing God. baseball when he's throwing oh, a baseball the baseball. zeros. Yeah. And the zeros going overhead. Oh my God. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And then oh, I agree. And then, uh, and then uh, what's his name's Roosevelt's voiceover. 
yeah of of the you know yeah but then then you watch the film and you have to wait two and a half hours for that 40 minute sequence and you're yeah. like jesus would you just start killing sailors already that was the <laughs> that was the trailer where i gave up on trailers. <laughs> yeah. that was the trailer where after that i went no i'm not getting fooled look at this trailer and i'm like i don't care don't care yeah yeah that was still, you get I off still, you get off the boat before i did I still haven't had one of those. I still, I still look at trailers with a sense of wonder and just go, mm. I hope this is as awesome as that is. <laughs> ever, <laughs> since, ever since, uh, I ever do. since Superman Returns, they had, that oh, had one God. of the most spectacular teaser trailers I've ever seen. Yep. And That's it, was a, it was a crap movie. Well. In fact, the next, after that, the next trailer to actually intrigue me if you could do the year uh, differential, Superman, Superman uh, Returns, and then the next trailer that actually made me like say I'm definitely seeing this movie was uh, Valerian. So look how long it took, and and I my comment about Valerian was like this movie has to suck because this trailer is beautiful. <laughs> this 11, one, the that's one eleven people. eleven years. Yeah, that's the, what one that, most... the one that pulled me back was Thor Ragnarok, but they pulled the Led Zeppelin card on me. And yeah, I was done. That's, that's kind of impossible to beat that. You can't really. I'm like, nope, got to go see it. Sorry. Son of a... Yeah, but and didn't, then, and, didn't they and then do that only... with, the, with, the, uh, with Fincher's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? It's not in the trailer, though. It's not in the trailer? You'd have to, no, you'd, you'd have to oh, go okay. to see the film to okay. know that that movie... I, I, I thought that that was in the trailer. Whereas... whereas the the immigrant song is in the trailer and it's in the movie twice because yeah. then a right. lot of times you'll get you'll get snagged you'll go to see the movie because the song is in the trailer and then it's not in the movie which right. they caught and it me. worked twice yeah they did work twice they <laughs> caught me like that with uh with uh just like you imagined um from three hundred the the nine inch nails song just like you imagined was in the trailer for three hundred right and then it's not in the film. No, and it's like no, nothing. Because <laughs> that is a that tra- the trailer for three hundred is magnificent. It's better in the movie. The, the, the fr- this <laughs> is Sparta. <laughs> At birth, a thousand memes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a film! Holy shit! Right. And that was before that was Lena Headey before Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And she was a badass then. So, uh two good films. Uh two good yeah. choices. Thanks, Scott. Well done. It was my pleasure, man. Uh and yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on and hanging out with us, man. Don't come back. Absolutely. Though. Don't ever come back. Yeah. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> no, no, please come back. Well, at least at least I've been warned. <laughs> you've got uh you've got you've uh, you've you've got plenty of uh plenty of choices, I'm sure. I'm sure we could uh we could have you back on with uh, on a on a on a, on a on a fairly regular rotating basis, and I'm sure you'd still bring lots of lots of film choices to bring. I'll have to. Well, we'll get you on next October back. so you can bring some horror films with you. Well, I would certainly, I certainly would want to want to pick something that I that I'm uh, in love with because of its cinematic virtues. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I can I can go down that road. The too, nice but... thing about our show is you can just pick any film you like. Just because, you know, if it happens, if it happens to tick boxes, great. If it doesn't, oh, fucking well. Yep. Yeah. Watch it either way. That's the, that's right. Honestly, someone picked Bugsy Malone. So, I mean, after that, 
<laughs> the sky's the limit. After hey, that. I, I, that was the, the same person. But the same person picks the Muppet movie. So the Muppet movie, nice. Yep. Yep. My buddy, uh, my buddy Todd. Was, uh, what a cathartic experience watching that movie was. I remember watching that going, this movie's not bad. This is like a good movie. You know, it was a weird experience watching it's the Muppet so movie. Again. Oh, the Muppet movie. Yeah. Like, not, yeah. not, uh, Bugsy Malone. Not that was, Bugsy not, Malone. was not cathartic. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I just kept expecting to kick the cops to kick in my door. Are you watching Bugsy Malone? <laughs> yes, officer. Yeah. I'm why sorry. do I feel wrong about having this on my TV? <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't, I shouldn't do that to a person. Yeah, <laughs> Why do I find myself strangely attracted yeah. to Jodie Foster? What's Ooh. happening? I just remember, like, holy shit, mm. this this girl can act. You know, she's she's destroying yeah. these other people <laughs> in this film. Yeah. There should be a term for that when you outact everyone else in the film and just ruin the film because you're that much better. Than <laughs> Although that didn't, I don't think that happened with Bugsy Malone, but I'm sure it's happened. That's when I well, watched. Uh, she outacted everyone. She outacted everyone in the film. It oh, didn't she, ruin the film. Right? Yeah, but she wrecked things, those people, man. It would expose. But after after she was on screen, it was hard to watch the other kids. Yes, it was yeah. charming at first, I and then Jodie Foster just walked across the screen, and you're like, "What am I watching Sesame Street for? <laughs> what the fuck is this?" <laughs> So, yeah. And like, as I was saying, that was like watching uh, uh, Kick-Ass. That's like watching the first Kick-Ass. You're like, I don't... What am I supposed to... What's going on? <laughs> I, I think I need to leave the theater. <laughs> There's a 10-year-old girl running around shooting people, and I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about any of this. <laughs> I don't think I've seen Kick-Ass or Kick-Ass 2. I, I read the comics. I don't... I don't uh... I think I saw that. What? You never saw Some... Kick Ass? Yeah, I don't oh think I did. God, dude, that's a some things. Some things so should not translate. Some things should not become live action. That, that's my take on. Kick There's Ass. a moment in that no. film where you're just like, I can't believe they just had this kid say this line, and I just was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm in for the rest of the movie. Let's go." So, if someone picks that, you gonna let Amaya watch it? Oh, am I? I have no. I have no, uh, Amaya has no problem with, uh, violence or, or we don't have any, okay. any, we don't have any limits with her with language or violence. It doesn't, she's well beyond worrying about that. Well, gotcha. not, so, I shouldn't say all violence, but right. Uh, you're not going to let her watch. Well, a, you're not going to let her watch a Serbian film. Yeah, no, she's not watching that or irreversible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd like her to see that eventually, but when she's older, not, you know, I would, I would, I, yeah, I mean, like here's the movie you're gonna watch once. It's brilliant. Don't ever watch it again. Like you La- know, Latham's like daughter is 52 13. years old. <laughs> so like you're she, old enough now. She's been, to watch this film. She normally will watch whatever uh, films are chosen for the show. Like we have time to watch uh, them before the show. Yeah, and in most cases, uh, he's kind of introducing these movies to her as well. So, mm-hmm. and she, yeah, so she, yeah. The the best part, the best of all, was her laughing at the. At Big Trouble in Little China so far. That was just glorious to hear her laughing watching that. <laughs> that was brilliant. That's great. That's what you do with that movie. You laugh because it's fucking entertaining. Or you cry because you'll never make anything as great as that. <laughs> <laughs> or 
I might have just revealed too much about myself. Uh, that, that's that's entirely possible. <laughs> uh, edit, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Hassan. Keep talking, Steve. Oh, it's happened. It's happened a bunch of times. It's he'll 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 get the the random text in the middle of tomorrow. It's like, hey, um. That time when I called so and so an asshole, could you just could we just make yeah. that go away? <laughs> you want me to take out that spot where you called Andrew an asshole? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, let's yeah. just take that out. Yeah. <laughs> I had no integrity either. I was like, yeah, maybe we could just take that out. Yeah. That'd be great. But uh, regardless of that, Scott, thank you very much for uh, for coming and hanging Absolutely, out. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for the invite. Seriously, this was a blast. Yeah, please come back on, Scott. I'm glad you Go have a good time. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll definitely have you back, and you can pick two more movies and uh, vex. Uh, you know, any any chance that Latham gets to knock movies off his master list of films that he hasn't seen, uh, he's always very happy about. So two more out of that book. Welcome experience. <laughs> the, the movies go. to watch, but we'll, we'll, he's a. You guys haven't known Latham as long as I have, but uh, he, Latham is a, a the master lists guy. He has uh, <laughs> lists and things organized to a, a crazy extent. Look at that. There's the Warriors nice. crossed off right there. Babe. Crossed off. Wind of the Lion. Wes Craven's nice. New Nightmare. John, John Williams. Hey, movie. Pick like one. <laughs> Anyone. Anyone. Pick one where he does the, the music for it. <laughs> Top of the world, Ma. <laughs> oh my God. So funny. Awesome. Thanks, Thank guys. You. All right, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Have a great night. Peace. Yeah. Later. 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 <laughs> but how much later? What uh... up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're still recording. Hey, what happens to Purple Planet music? <laughs> yeah, because that's not even the right yeah. goddamn. Oh, what happens to random sponsor number 483? <laughs> oh, Jesus. I wish we had a sponsor. <laughs> Man, imagine if we had 43 sponsors. How awesome would that be? Um, oh, thanks to fessleyandmusic.com. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download, subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can enjoy us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, Scott Klein, and myself, we all say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and fellow gang member, Truman Burbank. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night.